You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Gene Steratore, who spent decades in the NFL and in college basketball, always so kind to pick up the phone and to answer our questions when we reach out to him. Gene, why is it so important that it doesn't even appear as though officials are in any way compromising their relationships with the athletes? For the obvious reasons, Amy, I would think all of us would would understand the optics of it, right? I mean, even if it is for another reason or whatever the case may be, the optics of having something like that happen, it, it puts the possibility of questioning the integrity of the game or of, uh, of a judgment in a game, uh, you know, not just for those individuals specifically or that crew, but naturally then collectively for the staff and, and, and for all of the reasons that we would all fully understand, you just wouldn't want to have that happen. Look, on the field, I, I was a talker, right? So I joked back <laughs> and forth uh, with the players and I felt like that, developed a relationship which I never felt was a you know a personal relationship where I was going to start yelling look out or something when a defensive player was coming near a quarterback or something unblocked but so there, there's an engagement that you have there within the moment and, and and I think that's totally acceptable but but the optics of what we have seen all of us have seen now with the advent of Twitter and uh, and, and people having cameras on their phones and video uh, everywhere you go it's just not the type of look that, that anyone wants. And I'm sure that both officials involved uh, specifically in that regard, too, they wouldn't want something like that to have uh, happened or, or be on film, regardless of how innocent the gesture was. It's just not a good optic for the game. If an official, maybe a newer official or referee, would come to you and say, where do I draw the line, what would you tell him or her? You're going to work is what you're really doing. I mean, uh, yes, is it in front of millions of people, you know, millions of people, thousands in arenas and cameras everywhere and, and things of that nature. But you're in your job place. You you are a participant of those. Now, yes, do we all see people that are famous or, or have earned that that level of, uh, of stardom and appreciation for what they do without a question of a doubt? But you are on that playing surface with them. That, that puts you in, as far as the you know the job at hand is the equal to that. So you, you don't do that. You, you interact with them. They're the best players in the world. And guess what? You're the best officials in the world. So we're, we're just out here sharing these moments together, <laughs> but never in a fan type of an optic, right? We're out here to do our work, and it's a very serious environment that if you can make it light every once in a while and stay focused, then that's a great thing. But but really, it is to be addressed that way. And, and I would say, you know, yes, this is unfortunate because it happens in the stadium, uh, you know, when, when, when a lot of things are present. But truly, too, uh, officials understand um, your behaviors 
and, and how you were seen on and off of the field, and most times off of the field, <laughs> is what represents who you are and reflects what the fraternity means. So you not only have to keep yourself really, really the high bar when you're in, in the types of situations when games are playing, uh, but you need to continue with the same standard whenever you're living in your community and your personal life. It, it is that specific and truly officials do speak to that. That is something that is said to the newer officials when you step into this, this limelight in this level that, 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 that's understood. And, uh, and I'm sure that's why. You know, all parties involved right now are, are, are kind of frustrated as, you know, as a result of this action. I know, though, that some of these guys who've been around the league for a long time, you've worked countless numbers of their games and they will address officials by name or they'll come to you and say, hey, what about this? Or they'll get familiar in that, hey, I need an explanation or I think this call was wrong. I mean, there certainly is a ton of interaction on the field among players and officials. Yeah, and you know, Amy, I wish they asked it as nicely as you just said. Hey, can we have a discussion about the previous play or something like that? That would be fantastic if it sounded so polite. Uh, <laughs> but, but truly, I mean, I think what, really what you're saying, and this is what I loved about now the reflection, right? It's been three or four years since I've been active in both sports. But you, when you do look back, you realize when a player – kind of lives his full career that that's a 12 to 15 year endeavor and that's a that's a long career in the national football league um but you know what when you have that level of a career as an official then really your career is along with them they've kind of intertwined from the moment they came in as rookies or some you know a lot of times officials work 20 plus years so these veterans that retired with a full career, you may have been in your fifth year when they were a rookie. So huh. there definitely is a familiar, you know, a familiarity that takes place as a result of that interaction two or three times a season. Uh, so, yes, uh, do they kind of know who you are? They, they do their <laughs> homework. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure they feel like that endears themselves to you a little more that I know your name or see how many children you've had or something like that in, in a lighter moment. Uh, boy, I wish they would have asked me the question so politely. Like, can, can we just talk a little more about that play you just didn't throw a flag on? I would have loved to have answered just as politely to it. <laughs> We're so excited to have Gene Steratore back on the show. You now see him on CBS Sports. He's a rules analyst, but he spent years and years as an NFL referee and also an NCAA basketball official. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Something that wasn't the case when I first started following football, so my career now going back 20 years, is that we didn't know referees' names, nor did we have this affinity for some of them. Like, I remember Ed Hockley and his big biceps, right? And now his son is in the league. Everyone knows who Gene Sturator is now and Dean Blandino and some of these others. Uh, and it's, it's almost as though you all have become central figures, too. It's become that familiar where we actually know names and personalities. Yeah, and you know, I think... I think through the evolution of my career, those two decades, I really think that came to the fore a lot. Now, look, nerdy official families like mine, we knew who the refs were all along. So, you know, I go back to Jim Tunney, who was phenomenal, Red Cashin with his classic first down uh, uh, you know, um, announcement, and Jerry Markbright and the way that Jerry Markbright stood and did games. So we have our Hall of Fame kind of in our little nerdy world of officials, but... 
But I do think you're right. And I think, look, social media explodes now, right? Accessibility to information is, is so quick and on our phones uh, in the heat of the moment. So it was something that I felt became much more noticeable. And I would say truly, although uh, I've been accused of not shying away from the camera at times or maybe <laughs> not being short of words at times, um, you never really seek the camera when you're refereeing, you know, or when you're officiating, uh, because I can assure you that most times if the camera's looking for you, um, it's not because, you know, you just caught a 30-yard pass and made a great leaping grab in the sideline or something like that either. So you didn't seek that attention, but you also understood, especially in the NFL with the white hat on. You become part of the production of, of these shows now a little. You know, a little bit of information to the talent on, from on the field does allow those announcers to get a little insight as to what just happened or what you did. And there are those brief moments where I think I realized that in football much more than basketball as a referee. Uh, administering the game, getting the pertinent information concisely finished, waving your arms slow enough when you're going to time out so that you don't ruin the commercial time that's so precious to a production. But there are many crossovers like that when you are a referee in the NFL, so you are cognizant of the recognition that you're going to get and the attention that you're going to get in that three-hour window of that game. And then naturally the efficiency of how you administer the downtime on the field it makes for a much better experience for the players and, and coaches as well. So we are now seven weeks in. And of course, I have my questions. But before I ask them, Gene, how would you describe from an official's perspective the, these first seven weeks and what it's been like? You know, I, I, I don't I wouldn't ever get hyperbolic and say it's worse than any other year or oh, it's no. much greater or better than any other year or anything like that. I think it does truly, I do truly feel like every year it becomes a little more scrutinized. And I have to honestly admit, uh, you know, these rules analyst positions where now we do have someone of some knowledge that is at our, uh, you know, right, right in the real time moment to kind of elaborate a little more on something. In, in some ways, that's also drawn a little more attention to some of the judgment. I think what I've noticed from the officiating part of it, we've had roughing the passer situations over the last couple of weeks, right? Sure. Ironically enough, roughing the passer is down, you know, around 30% in the total amount of roughing the passers called this year. The types of roughing that, that may have been called or may, you know, may have not been called, most, most of the ones we've talked about here that have been called. What happens in the officiating world, and it's a, it's a process through this journey of a season and into the postseason, and it's something that the crews talk about week in and week out, I'm sure, is as a, as a group of officials on a crew. If you have a play that you miss that, that's a rather obvious type of a mistake, that you hope you don't make, but the game's fast and these mistakes do occur. When you miss what I used to call with my crew and probably because my crossover between both sports, when I would tell my football crew, look, we can't miss layups, right? You can't miss the layup. If you miss the layup as an offici officiating crew in a game, that missed layup is, is truly you're going to lose any kind of hope in gaining any credibility on the 50-50 plays that are going to happen throughout the rest of that day now because uh -huh. you missed the layup, right? So you have to be aware of that, and, and, and that's how fine-tuned and aware you need to continue to stay because one mistake like that in a game causes you know skepticism for these other really hard, great plays. You're not going to get any love either. That also grows to the staff. 
right? So if there's two or three of those plays that happen in a week or two weeks in a row, unfortunately, now the collective is before this game starts, right? We're already thinking because of this attention on things that we have seen and thought, this is pretty obvious, they should get this, replay doesn't need to come in, or we don't need to watch this in slow motion. That starts to happen again. So really, it's a long season. These things happen. Uh, I think we went through a little bump like that here in the first month and a half or seven weeks of the season. Uh, and now the goal for the staff for the game, each crew is, listen, let's calm the waters, you know, become less, you know, less apparent here <laughs> and, and let's get the big stuff and get back to, to the game. But, but inevitably, you know, it, it rears its head and it, it's part of the process. When you have to call roughing the pass or when these moments are in the spotlight, what is it that officials are looking for? Well, that's even gotten more specific, even in the four years since I've been gone, Amy, but really what you're looking for in real time, which is, is, I can't emphasize that enough. I know we say that a lot on TV. And naturally, you know, the the people that really don't like the, the, the men and women in the stripes always say, <laughs> oh, here he goes again about his fraternity. Uh, the speed of this is, is really of a nature that it's extremely difficult to, under, to, to, to explain that unless you are within 10 feet of that action and the speed of that action. It's not even close. If you're sitting in rows four or five, you think, boy, you're close to this. And boy, it feels different. And it does. Right. But it exponentially grows from the fifth row to the field field now. Um, so in these windows of this two-second time frame that happens from when a defensive player gets at least within two yards or so of a quarterback who's in a passing posture and you're, you're taxed with a pass-fumble situation as the ball gone, all these other elements come while you are trying to officiate about two yards ahead of this individual that has the ball because you have to see that, that defensive or that action prior to when it gets to that quarterback, there's body weight involved. It's does this person, this human being moving very fast, very large person coming to a postured player who's the only player on a football field that ever gets hit standing still. Yeah. Everyone else is moving when they get hit, but not this player. I know we hear a lot of all the, the you know, kind of the little phrases about how we're protecting this, this position. You have to remember that and, and put the human element in that. That's why these protections are in there. And I can honestly say, when you are very screwed into the game and aware, the game does slow down, just like the players. It's one of the beauties of officiating. You get that same rush that an athlete who is really tied in and full focus gets. You also have to be very schooled on all the nuances that occur, and that concentration level can never lapse in. It just can't stop for a second. You don't blink between a play. There's no reason to. It's five seconds. Don't blink your eyes. It could be the difference between a pass fumble or where that hit occurs. But you also feel it, right? I mean, we all see it a little slower, but then there's a feel, the timing of it. Was it two steps or was it a step and a half? Now I get to do the beautiful thing now and rewind it and count <laughs> one step, two. Oh, I can't believe he didn't call that or she didn't call that. Can't you see the second foot just landed before the contact occurred? And everybody goes, you know, we go crazy on, on TV and the viewers that are unhappy with, you know, the, the call or the non-call. But a lot of that's a feel. It's what makes the craft something that's extremely, you know, uh, hard to do. 
and and very hard to continue to do for a long period of time, which is why you fall in love with it and you become a ref nerd like me. (laughs) We went through this process where the NFL overreacted and instituted replay for pass interference, and we all know what happened to that, Gene. It was very short-lived because it was not a good idea as a judgment call. Would it be a bad idea then to try to install some type of review for roughing the passer? I think we'd go down the same place. Amy, gotcha. you know, we're, we're, we're in the judgments. We're in the, we're in the areas where a little bit of gray uh, called or not called at times is also very good for the game. Uh, and I believe that as well. This game can't be officiated by the letter of the law in every specific nuance. It can't. The, the game would not be good. There is holding that's taking place, some restriction. Does it materially affect the play? Does somebody gain an unfair advantage as a result of it in that art? of those types of questions that officials answer in their mind in rapid succession comes the game. And and you must keep that to where it is, in my humble opinion. I think when gotcha. we go down the rabbit hole, I think we're, we're opening up the same can of worms. Yeah, well, we saw what happened with P.I. It was a disaster, and the NFL quickly right. and quietly did away with it. Uh, Gene Steratore is with us now with CBS Sports, longtime NFL ref, and, of course, NCAA basketball official. Not that far away from the new season mm-hmm. tipping off. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. In your opinion, what are the most challenging calls to make? As you mentioned, speed of the game and flow of the game. They're all specific to each official, right? I mean, referees aren't going to call uh, pass interference because their actions are on the interior line and actions on the quarterback and on the kickers. So referees live in that world of those types of plays in a game. Uh, each official is, is, has their own levels of, I'm sure, what they would think, boy, that's a harder play for me, uh, although it's not one that I made decipher. To me, I was the worst running into or roughing the kicker referee, I think, in the history of the NFL, Andy, because <laughs> no. I, I think, again, yeah, some of the basketball would go into, you know, I always felt punters were flopping. You know, it was like I wanted to just call a blocking foul. I wanted to go to the line, shoot two, and let's play on, you know. But then I would always have every once in a while a coach tell me, uh, Gene, you know, running into the kicker is a penalty, too. And I'd say, Coach, he, he just hit his leg a little, but he spun, pirouetted, he went down on the ground, it's nothing. He, he said, no, that's called running into the kicker, and it's five yards, you know. So for me, I think that was probably my biggest challenge was I needed to quit thinking, look, you did get contacted, although why are you embellishing it? I'm not giving you anything, you know. So, uh, so I, I did. I, I made a few of those mistakes. I honestly can admit that now. And uh, all of the plays are as hard as you make them, and and truly none of them are extremely easy. Easy when you really become a three and four hundred level official. What you realize is, it's more about how you position yourself prior to the action taking place. I was just bad on the kickers, and I apologize to all of them. (laughs) No one apologizes to kickers, Gene. I like that. Good for you, breaking some new ground. What happens to an official? Is there any type of, of penalty when an official gets a call wrong and the NFL points it out? Oh, most definitely. I mean, there's, there's a punitive, uh, you know, mark on, on, on that game specific and, and on your, on your year's final grade. Uh, and, and, and truly, you know, going through an NFL season, if I felt like I had six or seven or eight misses in a season, it was a really, really bad year. 
and, oh. and rightfully slow. And that's the truth of it. Uh, and they're, they're graded at an extremely meticulous and high level. You know, the NFL has very quality people uh, and a lot of them that are viewing each one of these games and watching each play four or five times so that they can watch each official's responsibility for each individual play every week. So the detail of, you know, and, and I think what you have to do in those situations, Amy, and that's one of the things as well that an official has to mold a new and younger official in, not just what we spoke to earlier, and that's just this unbelievable fishbowl that you live in, but this level of scrutiny that's going to take place, place on a human uh, in, in the most meticulous ways in this environment is, is also another challenge to the human individual, right? And sure. on your downtime for the six days. And you're going to be meticulously graded to the highest detail on Tuesday and Wednesday, right, of every week. So that's where they're living today. Their final grades are coming out on a, on, on a, on a midweek grade here from last week's game. You also need to be preparing mentally and emotionally for what's going to happen 72 hours from now as well. Uh, but it's also within that that starts to develop what I think is what makes you a great official, and that's the ability to critique yourself at that same level uh, and be that meticulous with how, how you are striving to work the perfect game with the acceptance and understanding that that is not going to happen. But how do I navigate the imperfections of that contest? But you also have to have that mentality that when that plays over, that plays over. Mm. Uh, it has to be put away. Very easy to say. <laughs> uh, I can assure right. you, very, very difficult, very difficult to do in real time on a field and even much more difficult when the decision you made on Sunday at 2.30 in the afternoon is still being spoke about the following Thursday and has been for 72 straight hours in every media vehicle outlet that there is known to man. Interesting. And especially these days when we focus more and more on mental health for athletes themselves because of the fishbowl they live in. I can understand how it would be important as the leader of a crew. At least you're prepared for the media. I mean, that's similar to what we go through in the media, too, where every mistake is amplified. And now I understand even more so why officials need to have that time with their families. And for you, it's gene number four, which I know you've got a date with gene number four coming up. So I will let you get to that. But it's always a, a gift for us to be able to have you on the show. You can follow Gene on Twitter at Gene Sterator, and he's never far away from a CBS NFL broadcast near you. Gene, you are the absolute best. Thank you so much for a couple of minutes. Thank you so much, Amy, and take care of your mom. I know it was her birthday just yes. the other day, and uh, enjoy the family. We know how precious it is. Thanks so much. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.